everybody. It's Adam Farkas. Welcome to another edition of ODY Radio. With me, as always, is Paul Farkas. Hi, everyone. And I am actually just back from vacation, so finally I am feeling good and ready and raring to go. You look like hell, though. I don't know. I know. On some vacation. Well, you go on a vacation with a four-year-old, you, under, you understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so today we have a show for you that's a little bit different. Um, normally, we get folks from outside the ODY community coming in to speak with us, but today we have an ODY regular. Um, Dr. Richard Hom is here to talk to us today all about, uh, as he puts it, right, I want to get this right, clinical coordination and collaborative care. Is that the title? That is the title of the show. And uh, as you know, Richard holds a master's in public administration, and he's also a tech expert and guru. If you've been on ODWire, you've seen all of his posts. Uh, and he's going to talk to us today about this coordination and how he's actually using his skills uh, in his new position to try to facilitate this. So, Richard, thanks so much for being here today. And thank you, uh, Adam and Paul, for inviting. Uh, it's just a very interest sub interesting subject, and it's someone that I am passionate about. Great. Well, let's just talk a little bit about where you are now and what you're doing. So as everyone on the site knows, uh, you work for Anthem slash Blueview Vision slash WellPoint. <laughs> and could you actually just give us a little background as, as to what the company's all about and what you're doing there? Yes. Uh, WellPoint is uh, the corporate uh, identity and uh, umbrella for all of the Anthem entities within it. Uh, so Anthem is one of the WellPoint companies. Uh, of course, they are officially the parent of 14 Blue Cross and Blue Shield plans across the country. Uh, and they serve members in California, Colorado, Connecticut, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Maine, Missouri, Nevada, New Hampshire, New York, Ohio, Virginia, and Wisconsin. And boy, did it take me about uh, three months to remember that list. <laughs> uh, sometimes I uh, have, have to keep on remembering what it is. Of course, WellPoint is headquartered in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association, uh, affectionately called BCBSA, as you might sometimes see in the press. Of course, as an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association, WellPoint serves members as the Blue Cross Licensee for California, and therefore the name, uh, Anthem, uh, in, in Blue Cross and Blue Shield Licensee for Colorado, Connecticut, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Maine, and Missouri, in, except for about 30 counties in Kansas City, uh, Nevada, New Hampshire, New York. Uh, and in New York, uh, they use the Blue Cross and Blue Shield in 10 of the metropolitan uh, and surrounding counties, uh, and is the licensee for some of the upstate uh, counties also. Uh, of course, they also include Ohio and Virginia, excluding, of course, uh, northern Virginia suburbs of Washington, D.C., and Wisconsin. In the majority of these service areas, WellPoint's plan to do business is Anthem Blue Cross. These are kind of like the brand names. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Georgia, and Empire, Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield or Empire Blue Cross in New York service area. So, that's one of the uh, complexities of just saying, what is Anthem? There is actually 14 or more distinct identities. And so that's why we have to be careful about how we say Anthem or whatever we attach to the brand name. Holy smokes. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, and in, you know, that, that's why uh, we were very careful and meticulous about rolling out any type of uh, literature because uh, of the brand name issue. Right. Now, of course, 
WellPoint offers a broad range of medical and specialty products, including dental, vision, life, and disability. Okay. And Adam, do you have a question? My, my, I guess so. So I guess the bottom line is that you have a huge number of covered lives, so you probably have pretty good penetration among uh, you know, the, the population of people uh, who have docs on OD-Wire. Um, and so I think a lot of people were sort of wondering, you know, your, your official title uh, at WellPoint is optometric director, the national optometric director. So what is it exactly that you do at WellPoint? Well, uh, I uh, operate in the vision management division, which uh, offers a vision benefit project, uh, product called Blue View Vision. And it's a product that's, uh, that is uh, sold to small and large employer groups. Uh, and uh, as the National Optometric Director, I provide clinical insights for all the programs that Blue Vision sells in those 14 states. And uh, this may include uh, uh, some, of the in, uh, some of the issues relating to uh, how our product is uh, defined, uh, how it's used by the members, and how it's, uh, those benefits are interpreted by the providers. In addition, I also serve as quality assurance and credentialing and uh, as a uh, holder of a master's degree in public policy slash administration, I uh, also comment on whatever uh, eye care strategy or legislative affairs that uh, Anthem across the United States uh, may encounter or whether they want to have some input. So that is actually uh, what my official role is. I have additional duties, of course, and those additional duties include supporting the uh, sales staff as well as the internal uh, product marketing group of uh, WellPoint and Anthem in delivering Google Vision products in relation to the other divisions of WellPoint. Well, do you, uh, do you, do you have a, an ophthalmology partner that does something similar to, in the ophthalmology area? Yes, uh, the uh, ophthalmology uh, consultant, they, uh, that's the uh, title they have, is also the medical director for Missouri, and his name is Stephen Kamenetsky. And if you ask me to spell his name, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure that people in Missouri know him. He's both a practicing ophthalmologist and medical director, so he is uh, extremely fluent on both issues of primary care medicine and his specialty of ophthalmology. And because he's the ophthalmology consultant, he uh, has uh, a finger or oversight in anything to do with uh, ophthalmology within Anthem Medical. Right. And, and, and so, he, uh, he and I collaborate a lot on a lot of things. Right. And so collaboration is an important thing. And I think this is what, what we're getting at here is that, you know, Blue View Vision is just one small part of WellPoint and Anthem. And I know that one of your big pushes now is the idea of clinical coordination and collaborative care, right? Because WellPoint Anthem has, you know, a whole bunch of other divisions with different kinds of medical practitioners. So why don't we just dig into that a little bit? So can you sort of explain, sure. explain to us in, in your own words sort of what is this clinical coordination and collaborative care, and why is it important for ODs to sort of get on board and try to get more integrated with everyone else? Thank you, Adam. In my opinion, and uh, clinical coordination and collaborative care means that optometrists who are in network will start to share patient health care profiles. It's a two-way street, and the information that's involved will be medical diagnosis, clinical lab studies, and prescription medical histories that are necessary to provide good optometric care as well as better care for uh, monitoring systemic uh, problems that relate to the eye. So 
when an eye when an optometrist discovers an eye problem, uh, they can either communicate that through their vision claim form, and therefore that information actually gets presented to the primary care doctor and to any nurse coach. And this way, we can provide disease management intervention wherever appropriate. Now, likewise, the primary care provider in their work can also communicate findings, issues, or alerts, or gaps in care, and they can communicate that to the optometrist. So it's a two-way communication, and it's the beginning of collaborative care. That means a true partnership between optometry and uh, the primary care doctor. Now, this doesn't replace the uh, informal communications between uh, one doctor to another doctor, but what it does is provide a system-level messaging and information base so that wherever the patient goes or wherever the doctor uh, relocates, that information or encounter or findings of some sort will always be available to whoever the patient sees within the Anthem system. That's valuable, truly valuable. So therefore, we have a durable patient profile. And this is a way for optometrists to be truly recognized as being a partner also, because in a lot of uh, uh, instances, those uh, doctor-to-doctor communications, although valuable, are sometimes lost when it is when the patient uh, moves or within the larger context of healthcare, and so this preserves that counter encounter information a valuable uh, history so that we can really be clear on what happened to that patient and we're here to that patient now we're rolling this uh, I'm uh, piggybacking uh, my collaborative efforts on the part of anthem so it's anthem in general is rolling this out for primary care providers and other health providers across the, uh, the, the, the their enterprise. So we're, I'm just part of the team that does this. Now, it's not, it's not uh, probably, uh, it's not being too presumptive to assume that as optometrists get involved in more primary care issues, that they may be consulted in the future, whether these uh, primary care providers are associated with systems or hospitals. And therefore, they can maybe even be considered as being partners along the line. Now, of course, there are a lot of details that have to occur before that, but this is what's necessary to begin with because the foundation of partnership has to begin with information sharing, and that's why it's important. It's also important because for us to be counted as a participant, just like writing a prescription and being counted by the Uh, DEA, use of this information can be a measure of how much optometry wants to be a partner with primary care medicine. That's the importance of this particular initiative. Right. And I have a a question. So in a practical sense, let's say that uh, you have a patient who is a covered life, right? So they're with Anthem. Um, and you're seeing them, and let's say, for instance, that they happen to be diabetic and you notice some retinopathy. Can you walk us through what kind of information sharing you'd like to actually see at, at a really practical level? You know, if I'm a clinician, how would this work? So 
Uh, of course, this is uh, the first revision, first version of the. It's really a software uh, initiative and release because um, the software and technical will have to be uh, to serve as the vehicle for this. So when a patient uh, presents to the doctor of optometry uh, and uh, is identified as having a risk factor or having uh, a, the presence of a particular problem, there are several ways. First of all. Uh, when they enter their uh, vision plan claim information, they can enter that they report something. Now, this uh, doesn't interfere with vision with medical plan billing because the patient had come to the optometrist for a vision plan examination and materials. So, in that context, that can be reported independent whether it was an examination or whether it's refraction, or whether it was glasses. But the major important thing is, by identifying the report to the vision claim system, we can actually track that optometrist reporting that system. Now, I wish I could tell you that uh, if the optometrist uh, only reports it through the medical plan, that we could identify that optometrist throughout the system. And... Uh, that may occur, but the best way to identify the efforts of an optometrist is reporting that same information to the clinical uh, claim system. So when you file for claim uh, for uh, reimbursement, you report that. You know, it doesn't have to be a code. You just say the 10 general categories. It says, did you have diabetes? Boom. Does that have retinopathy? Boom. We're not asking for granular detail. We're just saying, just report it. So therefore, we can say, we can hook up it later on that this uh, optometrist we can then look for the medical claim line and says, okay, therefore we can link the two together and say this is the optometrist to saw that patient. Uh, in some respects, we're a very big company with uh, lots of claims, and this is a way to more uh, clearly and accurately and speedily connect what the efforts of the optometry practitioner is to that patient. Got it. So and that's the practical thing is. Because well, that was my question. So you're actually doing this uh, using software when the when the practitioner makes a claim. It's it's pretty easy to do. It's nothing complicated or odious. Nothing complicated that at all. Yeah. And uh, what we're doing, you know, and and the software is already present. But what wasn't present was the sharing information because uh, we will actually uh, uh, give the optometrist who is. Uh, seeing a patient who has anthem medical and anthem vision slash blue vision, uh, a patient profile that is relevant to eye care, which is uh, diagnosis codes, laboratory studies, and also prescription medication history, which I believe is actually one of the primary reasons for this because uh, with the prescription medical history, you can actually do pharmacy reconciliation with a valuable uh, contribution that optometry can do to primary care, uh, 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 primary care medicine. No, no, that's the one-way street op optometrist into medicine. Uh, does the street go the other way where a patient goes to the primary care practitioner and they have a vision problem uh, or possibly a red eye or an itchy eye? Uh, does the primary care practitioner have the same obligation to, to report that and then move them to, towards optometry? Um, so there are two questions that you have. The first question is, uh, the, since we're dealing with claim lines and not electronic microrecords, 
the primary care doctor will uh, likely attach a eye diagnosis code for a diagnosis because they have to, uh, uh, you know, either prescribe a medicine or prescribe some action, and that action has to be connected to a diagnosis code. And in that respect, uh, that diagnosis code can be picked up by the optometrist when they uh, see the vision uh, diagnosis in the patient profile. So that effort by the primary care provider, as soon as the claim is put in by the primary care provider, uh, within seven days later, the optometrist will see that same claim line. So that is, uh, they will see that. Now, the second part of the question is, uh, is uh, probably something that has not been, uh, you know, started yet is whether, uh, how do we uh, refer patients? Now, as a payer, we do not, uh, we do not uh, discuss or maintain or monitor or uh, try to persuade uh, practitioners how to behave. So whether they can be referred or not to a particular optometrist or other medical provider is something that is the purview of the primary care provider. Now, uh, of course, I'm hoping that this model will become prevalent through the use by optometrists that uh, they, the primary care providers will find optometrists to be more convenient than other medical providers and being more geographically able and uh, available than other medical providers who might be dealing with eye care. So in some respects, uh, that is uh, something to be developed, not yet. But definitely, when the patient is seen by the primary care provider, it is reported as a diagnosis code. And that can be picked up by the optometrist. So that's the two-way mechanism. So we use the claim systems, not electronic medical records, as a way to communicate this information. When you have tons and tons of information, this is the most efficient way to report two-way communication. Right. So when I pull up the patient's record in the claim system, we can actually see that, these diagnosis codes that were generated yes. by other practitioners. Exactly. And uh, uh, whether it's... Uh, now, there are seven... At this, this first version... Uh, there are probably total, as you know, Adam, there are 17 to 18,000 total uh, ICD-9 codes that are possible. Right. <laughs> and uh, to streamline and to uh, provide some idea of how much uh, throughput and uh, network uh, load that may occur on the system, I had identified 1,700 or so of those codes which are directly related to eye care as well as to circulatory, diabetic, and uh, cardiovascular systems. So uh, this is a, an abridged version of the diagnosis codes. Uh, but it is a way for us to, uh, uh, to actually offer this product uh, and deliver it in 10 months rather than three or four years if I had done it in any other way. Sure, sure. I mean, it's, it's not relevant if someone has a hangnail or something. You know, it's, it's in fact probably, exactly. it's probably overwhelming to see all those codes when you pull up the patient. So, yeah, calling it down is probably a good idea. Yeah, and so the next version of the release, uh, which I anticipate is called Gaps in Care, so uh, our system uh, can identify uh, when a patient uh, doesn't didn't have an eye exam for retinal problems or didn't uh, finish uh, didn't continue a prescription like glaucoma drops, and that and uh, soon we will uh, have the optometrist will be able to receive those gaps in care messages that relate to eye care or relate to a one of the uh, diabetic hypertension or circulatory uh, uh, entities. So uh, that same care alert or gap message that goes to the primary care doctor will also go 
to the optometrist. So uh, they will have equal footing and access to those types of gaps in care messaging. Right. And I guess my, my next question would be, if I wanted to get started doing this, what actually would I do, you know, mechanistically? How do I get involved? Well, it, this is actually uh, very important because uh, um, when the uh, patient presents to the office, it's common that the front office will uh, search for the patient or member and determine eligibility, or uh, and therefore... Uh, they will look for authorization to proceed this patient. Now, Anthem uh, contracts with the IMED computer system to perform this particular function. So uh, the optometrists or their office would go to the IMED portal, and uh, when they type it in, they'll see the Blue View Vision uh, page. And since this particular information sharing is only available to Anthem uh, Medical and Blue Vision, uh, other Anthem, uh, other IMED uh, types of patients that don't have blue vision would not be able to see this. So this is a uh, an easy way for to identify whether this patient has this capability. And when they go to the authorization site, uh, most office staff will immediately try to jump to the bottom of the page to print the authorization. But what I'd like to ask the staff to do is to pause for one second and look. And if they see a large orange button, that's what we call view medical history button. And if they click and print it immediately, they will get a nicely formatted summary of the three things that I talked about, which is medical diagnoses, laboratory studies, and prescription history. And if they print it to a, a, a PDF file and save it as a file like any uh, image, uh, this way they won't have to tie up uh, the printer. And if they want to print of course, you can print it. Now, we have... Uh, we, if for the HIPAA concerns and privacy, this has been our approach initially, and uh, whether uh, uh, additional features or uh, flexibility can be uh, can be uh, designed in, that's something that's uh, going to be probably thought about in the next, uh, you know, could be two or three cycles. Right. And you know, that's all they would have to do. Right. And, you know, Richard, I was actually thinking maybe you could take a couple screenshots for us of what an eligible patient would look like when it comes up in the IMED system. We could put the screenshots up on OD-Wire so people could see it. Um, yeah. And yeah. Know what Certainly we can do like. that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, now it's critical about the, the reason why we use the, uh, the, uh, the authorization form is one of the major concerns, one of the major tenets of uh, privacy in HIPAA is that any medical information that's shared uh, must be in relation to treatment of that patient. So if you're going to see the patient for routine wellness vision care, then you will. it's in the course of uh, treatment and you will have the access information. Now, we have built-in anti-snoop features, and this feature includes that serendipitously no other doctor who doesn't have an intention to see the patient could not see the button or could not access this information. So only the doctor who has that authorization can do with that. Now, whether, again, whether that uh, flexibility can be uh, designed in again, that's something uh, that we are talking about in the future. Now, now one question I have, uh, just so it's 100% clear, do, do the ODs have to be IMED subscribers to, to have this issue, or can, can any, any OD uh, use they, the system? Yeah, so, right. So uh, you do have to be a contracted doctor with uh, Anthem Medical, and you have to be a contracted doctor with Blue Vision. So you do not have to be a, uh, a IMED uh, subscriber only, you, but you do have to have the ability to be 
Google Vision. Now, many of our panel doctors uh, who have contracted with uh, IMED will automatically be a Blue Blue Vision uh, contracted doctor also. So in general, if uh, so if they are IMED and did not want to join the Blue Blue Vision, then they won't have this. But generally, if uh, most uh, most doctors who do contract and subscribe to the IMED system will automatically be a uh, Blue Blue Vision uh, contracted doctor. So in that case, that's by default so that we can uh, simplify uh, panel membership and contracting. Right. So so that's interesting. So if, if for instance, Blue View Vision isn't actually in a region where you might be practicing, then this really wouldn't apply to you. You wouldn't actually see the interface. But all of a sudden, if you've, exactly. expand, if you've, if you've expanded into that geography, you may start seeing that new interface when you're working in the IMED system. Well, it turns out that we have some national clients. And these national clients uh, have uh, employees and retirees in all the 50 states. So in general, uh, uh, since the IMED system is available to all the 50 states, so whenever a patient who is uh, who has benefits through one of our clients, even though it's in the 14 states, they may seek care in any of the 50 states, even though they we only market it in the 14 states. So when they come in the door and they present the card and you see the word Blue Division on their card, then, of course, that doctor in that state, even though not in the 14 states, they will see the orange button. Got it. And, you know, Richard, it sounds like you've been deeply involved with uh, the development of the system. I'm sort of curious, who else inside of Anthem sort of works on the Vision Advisory Board? Who do you work with to try to make this reality and try to make it easy for the clinicians? Well, uh, actually, there are two separate issues because the Vision Advisory Board was announced on April 30th as part of the initiative to uh, to really have a relationship with providers on uh, our panel of doctors of Blue Vision, because traditionally uh, Anthem has really directed its attention towards uh, the members and employers and brokers. And uh, I think the senior leadership felt that uh, a, a way for us to really begin a partnership with uh, other areas of Anthem is to understand and to have an open channel of communication with providers. So as part of the April 30th Vision Monday press release, we announced the, uh, the formation of this independent of the issue of coordination. Uh, now the advisory board uh, is composed of seven optometrists uh, and each of them were actually recommended at least twice to three times by uh, people that we asked. So we actually sought recommendations from key figures in optometry, and uh, whether they are associated with the organization or well-known as uh, practitioners in their own right. Uh, in each case, like uh, we wanted to get a geographic spread. So although we have, with only, we have 14 states but only seven members, of course, uh, we couldn't get every state, but we certainly got uh, several types of uh, environments. So we have doctors who are what I call uh, Main Street optometry, where they practice in uh, small towns, or in urban areas of large cities. Of course, we also have one provider who happens to be chief of optometry and ophthalmology at a major hospital and is involved in uh, collaborative care as a, uh, in an optometry ophthalmology group. Uh, we also have an optometrist who also is a uh, practicing doctor in a lens crafter, uh, as well as uh, private practice doctors who uh, treat uh, significant amounts of their uh, proportion of their work as being medical. So we have a pretty wide uh, 
you know, uh, breadth of experience, skill, and uh, scope of practice uh, in our board. And we were seeking that type of uh, diversity. Right. Great. And uh, we haven't asked them yet about the clinical uh, collaboration because they didn't necessarily know uh, until, because not all of them are Blue Vision members. So, we, again, that was something we wanted to do is see some people outside of our network and inside our network. So we had the first meeting just this last Monday where they were first exposed to it in its entirety. And so, therefore, they're well aware of it now. And actually, after uh, they're pretty excited, actually, uh, about the uh, possibilities and potential uh, scope of practice and opportunities that it gives optometry. Will these uh, advisory board members be uh, available to the general public if uh, ODs on ODWire have specific questions? Uh, of course, uh, they lead their own private lives, uh, and they can express their opinions. And, of course, the information that was in the meeting is uh, covered under a non-disclosure agreement, but they have uh, they are available. And actually, uh, they, in the press release, we actually published the names of these uh, the first seven doctors. Uh, and so uh, you can go to Vision Monday, uh, April 30th, 2013, and because uh, I, uh, I may know their names, but uh, sometimes I didn't want to forget somebody if I were to recite them right now. See, but you know what, uh, Richard? Wire, yeah, but you know what, Richard? Paul's question, Paul's question is completely irrelevant because I know what's going to happen here. If someone's got a question, yep. they're going to start bothering you. Exactly. You know, they're going to. You know, those other people are not going to. Uh, you know, they live uh, very productive lives, and, you know, realistically, they are, they're actually for inputting to us. You know, they contribute their thoughts, experiences, and wisdom in helping us understand uh, the direction of optometry. So, uh, they have you know, a, and... Uh, they have a life course, out, outside of OD wire? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> well, How you know... How uh, you know, So, the, uh, you know, and, you know, the, you know, it's amazingly, the, the, these six providers, uh, or seven providers... Uh, actually, do not at all participate in OD wire. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're not at all related. They're to that. very but, smart. So, in a lot of respects, <laughs> that's, that's important because uh, that's a you know, there's a probably a large proportion of uh, doctors that we wanted to get experience and, and get their voice. And uh, this was one of the ways. Uh, you know, we look at various avenues of information in order to help us guide us. And uh, you know, we're lucky to have people who actually spend so much time in their professional lives and practice. Uh, that's the type of person we want to have also to help us. Right. So, Richard, I, it looks like we're just about running out of time here. Do you have any closing remarks uh, for the ODWR audience? Uh, yes. I believe that to show that uh, that optometry is willing to partner with primary care medicine, they must participate in information sharing two ways. And uh, we're a company that can use this information. We do not play with it, hold it. We actually do it because we have a team of 1,000 nurse coaches to help us in disease management. We have so many programs that can uh, affect uh, any time there is a, a member or a patient who uh, we think, whether it's optometrist or primary care, who needs intervention uh, right now. In fact, we even have online health uh, called Live Healthcare. Uh, live Health, I think it's called a, a, a professional, actually, the online to help doc, uh, patients, the members. So we have actually a very extensive network to try to um, take care of gaps of care if they exist, 
and also to really improve the experience that patients and members have with a complete anthem system. So optometry should not be modest or hesitant about participating because this is truly a way to be a partner like no other company can. Fantastic. Well, Richard, thanks so much for spending the time with us today. And I am sure after this podcast, you're going to get a lot of follow-up in the thread that's Oh, yes. You can depend on it. (laughs) Thanks, Richard. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much. 